Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft, the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play. So call the quarters and set the round. It's time for another episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to our next episode of Invoking Witchcraft. I am one of your co-hosts here, Jay Allen Cross. I am joined by... Britton, also known as Archaic Honey on the Instagrams. Hello, everyone. And we are very excited to be speaking to you today. And to start, we were talking a little bit before the episode began about some of the the DMs and the emails that we are getting. And we love receiving emails um, from you folks and hearing what is going on. Uh, however, if you guys do have really in-depth questions for us about something that's happened to you, a spell that you're working on, um, whatever it may be, Uh, we're not always able to respond to those that are sent to us directly because we've got a lot of things that we're juggling right now. And both Britton and I offer um, coaching services, but those can be kind of expensive sometimes. And so what we are offering, though, is we have a coven that you can join for only $5 a month. And for in an hour every Friday, we show up in the group, we answer all your questions that you may have. And it's a great way to get a bunch of questions answered for a little money. And it helps give us something to do on a Friday afternoon and get to talk to you guys and get to know you and what you're working on. Um, So definitely give that a check out in our invoking witchcraft Instagram. There is a link there. Um, I think Britain, don't you have it on your Instagram as well? Yes, it's on my Instagram, but you can also go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven to join the coven. And it's a private Facebook group along with the lives like Jay was talking about that we um, have an open discussion about witchcraft, folk magic, whatever you're working on. It's a really great way to connect with both of us through the podcast and to discuss anything that you might be dealing with at the moment. So yeah, it's awesome because yeah, we can't always get to emails and all the DMs uh, because we've received quite a lot, but we love y'all, of course, and we want to hear from you, but that's one of the best ways to interact with us. Absolutely. All right. So uh, besides that, how have you been, Britton? Pretty good, you know, dealing with all the smoke here in Eastern Oregon. Uh, But yesterday I have been praying, praying for rain and praying for just like cooling, healing waters to wash over this land and everywhere else that is having fires. And um, my prayers were sort of answered yesterday. We got uh, some moisture moved into the area. We had a little bit of rain. It actually mostly rained in the mountains, which needs it because that's where all the forests are. And it, the temperatures dropped, the smoke cleared out for like a day or two, but now we're back to smoky weather. Oh, that is, I feel, probably the rest of the summer for us here. It's just smoke and fire. How are you? I am doing good. I'm actually very excited for today's episode because we have a wonderful guest. She is someone that we have talked about several times on the podcast already. So it's it's wonderful timing for them to come on. Um, you've heard us talk about their first book uh, that were maybe the second book. I'm not sure about the chronology, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, By Rust of Nail and Prick of Thorn. We have talked about that one multiple times on this podcast. And it's, as far as I'm concerned, mandatory reading for this craft. Um, So please welcome Althea Sebastiani here. Hello, Althea. 
Hello. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it's wonderful to see you and have you on here. I feel like we've just been kind of fangirling off in our corner and now you're actually here. So that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one question I like to ask people just to see, and this is a very open-ended question, which is how I like it to be because then we get to know you. And that the simple question is, how do you identify in all the ways? <laughs> all the ways. Oh, is undercaffeinated an or option? Any of the ways. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, oh, it really is. God. Man, yeah. you start off right off the bat with hard questions. Hmm. I guess I would have to say primarily I identify as a spirit worker. It's really the lens mm. through which I approach the world. I interact with people. Most people, not my family so much, of course, you know. Um, <laughs> God, yeah. Chill. Try approaching a five-year-old from the lens of a spirit worker. That'll work out great. Um, <laughs> that can be interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, even specifically, it kind of takes the whole stance of being a witch and just kind of um, rarefies it since it's more of a tightening of focus and purpose and kind of speaks to that general mm -hmm. layer of experience and everyday sort of living it instead of just doing it here and there. Um, yeah. And I love that that stuff that you talk about in all your books too. It's not just kind of <laughs> being around the magic, but actually going and doing it. Yes. If you do it, it will change you. It'll touch you just as deeply as you touch it. And it will change you. It'll change everything. If you give it that opportunity to, but you got to bust your ass for that. Yeah, <laughs> For sure. And I know too, that you and you identify as a writer, author, um, uh, but specifically indie writer, which is wonderful. We love having <laughs> um, indie folks on here oh, and yeah. putting out such interesting stuff. I mean, I've I actually grabbed your first book, the by rest of nail and prick of Thorn by accident. Oh I, I, it just kind of showed up on Amazon as like, you may like this. And I'm like, I need an extra so much money for free shipping. So I just hit it and got it. And I'm like, who that is works. this person? <laughs> yeah, it was great. Oh, goodness. Um, yeah, that yeah. book was such an accident. I love it so much. It was such an accident, though. It worked great. Yeah, I'm really curious to hear about your process with that book um, and what the inspiration <laughs> was for it. But we're going to get to that a little bit later. But this is, I have two questions. I'm going to add one in here um, that I really love to ask folks when they come on to our show is what is your sign of the Zodiac? What is your, what are your placements? If you feel the share. Oh, goodness. Um, my son is in Taurus. And then my moon is in Pisces. And I am a Scorpio rising and nearly every other planet is also in Scorpio or it's in Aries. <laughs> and not that you can tell, you know, I mean, it doesn't show up at all, especially <laughs> not my Mercury in Aries. Like no one can tell that at all. It's very subtle. Definitely not. <laughs> very. Yeah. Mercury Aries is a really subtle one. I yeah. have Mercury Aries as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it can be an explosion sometimes, but I love that because see, your work yeah. is very practical and I was wondering if you were a Taurus. So yeah. that's really cool. So my other question for you is what was the moment or thing that sparked your witchcraft journey? What was the thing that was like, kind of like your oh shit moment? Um, like, oh shit. 
I'm doing it type thing or like, I mean, I was just talking with friends last night about how the oh shit moments are like you hop into a group chat and you realize that you guys all have the same gods that are speaking to you and telling you to do little things for each other. And then you get in the group chat and you're like, oh yeah, I already sent that in the mail to you. Yeah. You already need that. Okay. It's on the way. (laughs) Like those, (laughs) I like those moments. Um, In terms of first beginning to practice though, that is a harder question to answer. I've been doing this for a really long time. Um, Like I had an established practice for like seven years before I ever got my hands on a witchcraft book. Well, a a Wiccan book because, you know, the time period, that's all there was available. You know, um, that's before Mm -hmm. I'd ever been on the internet and found a site, you know, because it was late 90s, early aughts. Um, I just, I grew up on a very small dairy farm in the middle of northern Wisconsin, you know, middle of nowhere. Um, Lots of folklore, lots of superstition in the family, you know, stories of like how to be nice to the ghosts that lived in the barn and things like that. And I was left alone to just wander. I was just feral, you know, out there hanging out with the barn cats and dogs and just wandering on the land. And at some point, the land started talking to me. And I started seeing spirits all the time. I started talking to them. They told me things. I had plants whispering to me, telling me medicinal uses for them that I'd confirm later in books and be like, wow, that's really cool. (laughs) And at this point, I can look back and I can pinpoint for sure that I was practicing by age 11, but I don't know when it started. It's just always been there. That's so interesting. And I I love that you talk about that the plants were were telling you some of their yeah. uses. And I know that in your your latest book, you talk about kind of throwing out the correspondence yes. list and <laughs> letting the plant sort of tell you because there's so much that you can glean simply from interacting with these things. Mm-hmm. And and of course, you know, for those of you listening, you know, definitely look up your plants before ingesting them for sure. But as far as, you know, simply interacting with them, they will tell you so much. So I think that's really interesting. And what they tell you a lot of times, it may not necessarily match whatever like most popular correspondence list is that's being passed around on the internet. But if you use it for those purposes that the plan is telling you, it's going to fucking work and it's going to work really well. You'll have that proof that the skills you applied and what the plant told you are real and true and that's more that you can build off of and that helps you to actually move from that place where you're just you know scrolling on instagram looking at the post thinking how cool it is and how amazing it is that everybody's doing it and you're doing it too just as deeply just as authentically Mm -hmm. and it's cool and you can just start by just going outside and talking to the tree in your yard or the rose bush or a grass anything People underestimate that grass, though. Yeah, I know, right? Like, witch grass? Right, yeah. And that's something that I noticed kind of talking about, uh, like, like scrolling on Instagram and social media and how a lot of folks, it seems, they feel like they need to go by the rules of what they see on, on social media rather than just following their intuition and actually doing the work of interacting mm-hmm. with the plants. And I really love that you touch on that because it's it's kind of what I notice is kind of a serious issue now nowadays, yeah. you know, folks are like, well, I saw this meme on Instagram, but I'm doing this other thing. And I'm like, do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It's okay. It's hard. Cause there's just such a, um, 
uh, I guess a stigma. I don't really like that word, but against witchcraft still, even though as popular as it is, and we approach it in the beginning, not knowing what we're doing, not knowing how to do things and wanting to do it right, because it matters to us, even if we don't understand why it matters or how. And we end up just falling into that trap of taking this recipe like approach where we need X, we need Y, and somehow that's going to equal witch power. And it's, it doesn't work. <laughs> it just, it doesn't that's work. That's not how it works. But we all do it though. We yeah, all do right. that. We all go to every single grocery store in town, every witch shop in town. We buy all the herbs, we put them in jars, and then we throw them out five years later. <laughs> but they look great oh, yeah. on the shelf and in yeah. your Instagram photos. <laughs> they do. They look nice. And you like to look at them because they make you feel like you're getting closer and you'll figure it out soon. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, my next question for you is I would really wanted to touch on your first book, the one that uh, I first read of yours, uh, By Rest of Nail and Prick of Thorn, which is such a good book. And I got it through recommendation of Jay. And we do on this show, we <laughs> recommend this book probably every other episode. But there's something that you said in the book that <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh uh, there's something you said in the book that I wanted to read a quote from your book because I really love this. And I'd love to hear you kind of expand upon this. And so I'm going to read this aloud. This is uh, by, from By Rest of Nail Prick of Thorn. A witch is someone who practices witchcraft. There are no other qualifiers. And a competent witch is someone who, after having learned the basics, is capable of analyzing their unique situation, determining how best to approach the situation and follow through with appropriate action supported by their own abilities and the materials that they already have on hand. Remember, it's called witchcraft, not witch think. The magic you work will always be more effective than the magic you don't work. And when I read that, my I was just like, damn, yes, thank you for saying that. Because <laughs> I notice a lot of folks, and I've done this myself, is I sit on my hands, I'm like, I wonder why it's not getting done. And I just find myself sitting on my hands and whatnot. So I'm curious, um, can you say more about this and like how you personally mm -hmm. define witchcraft, which I know is a huge question. Oh my God, it really is. And it's one of those that I keep meaning to tackle properly and actually write about. And every time I start, I keep going off in different little directions. And now <laughs> I've got another book outlined. One of the things that we forget a lot of the times with witchcraft is that what we're practicing now, it is modern, yes, but it's based in European folk magic. Folk magic is always the magic of the people the common people, the poor people, the people living their fucking lives. And they're using magic for basic things, toothaches, keeping their shit from getting stolen, you know, making lives, making their lives better. And however they personally feel is, feel is better. And we kind of miss that because we like to tack on, um, ideas about religion, whatever that means to us, whatever we're personally being moved by. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it tends to move us from that place where witchcraft just wants you to live your life more wholly, to live in a place of wholeness and to see and interact with the land more wholly. And we instead get caught up in ideas of, you know, enlightenment or attaining Godhead. And that's not it. In the end, it's hands in the dirt, pissing in jars, and changing your life. <laughs> it's, 
I know I heard you guys talking about the one episode peeing in jars, and I'm like, oh my god. That's like me and all my witches. We're always we have right? inside jokes about peeing in jars all right. the time. Like it's great. One of my one of my bad reviews too for by Rust of Nails is like, oh my god, pee in a jar. I know. Imagine That's that so witchcraft gross. is like dirty and grimy <laughs> and right. Like imagine that witchcraft's welcome. not always pretty. Like, right? Oh my god, and it can't be because life isn't, and witchcraft is all about sinking into physicality for the purpose of joining with the spiritual it's both and that's where the wholeness is the wholeness isn't like oh my god you're broken and you need to heal yourself which you know is also true because we live in the western world and we're just all kind of fucked up because we do that to ourselves and each other but it's recognizing that it's not scorning the physical world in favor of the spiritual it's both they both exist for a reason and our world is that you can look outside you can see it you you talk to a tree the fact that the tree is talking back to you is an example of the spiritual with the physical together and and that i feel is really the big thing with witchcraft that we need to be focusing more on just putting more emphasis on it is it is a way of being especially being rooted in animism it is a way of seeing the world moving through the world and just existing Mm-hmm. Well, I think too that that witchcraft has a way of challenging you to step outside of what you feel is comfortable um, in mm-hmm. order to kind of go into those dark places to explore the things that you maybe would not have explored before. So it always kind of is a pet peeve of mine where people, as soon as they come up against something that's like a little uncomfortable for them, like peeing into a jar, and they're like, no, no, I can't do that. And I'm like, then why are you even here? Like, like that's just, just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> like, oh, the point is agreed. to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and that uncomfortability can come up in so many different ways for us, too. But really, little things like that, like just getting over your own shit about the physical nature of your body. Like, everybody pees. Right. Everybody. If you don't pee, you will die. <laughs> it has to come out. If stuff goes in, it comes out. And that's just a very basic nature of being alive. And not being okay with that is really weird. And that's a super base level thing that witchcraft is going to throw in your face. You know, it's you, you can't not be okay with something so integral to being alive. It, yeah. it won't work. That everybody does multiple times a day. Like it's... It, I, I'm not sure where where the concern of it comes from, except for I guess you know we've been very much conditioned to think that oh. these things that come from our bodies, whether it's you know uh, urine or menstrual blood or whatever it is, that it's it's always dirty or it's always bad or it's something that you really keep secret. And I think that witchcraft really kind of turns that on its head and is like, why are we thinking that this is something unnatural or icky when it's something that is so very natural? That happens with everybody. Yeah, so. and there's and witchcraft asks us to recognize that there's power in it too. You know, pee in that jar. That pee is going to help protect you. Actually, you know, it's not entirely disgusting. You know, there's there's uses for all of these things, even these parts of our body, because there's power in our bodies. Because there's power in the physical. There's power in being alive. And you can't shy from that in this path. Well, I mean, you can, but you're not going to go very far. You're not going to get through that first big crisis, that first rite of passage where witchcraft asks you if you're really fucking doing it or not, because you're not. So there you're going to be sitting there, you know, 
with all of your pretty tools and your nice one-on-one books and mm. no jars of pee. <laughs> I always tell people that it's like, it's, it's like, it's like wanting to join the, the swim team, but also not wanting to get wet. It's like, at some point you're going to need to oh get into God. the pool. You're going to need exactly. to get over your shit and get into the pool. Like, and it's, uh, it's better to just dive in. You, you're never going to know what's going to happen. You cannot prepare. The not being mm. prepared is an important part of it because that's when you discover how much more you're capable of, how much more you are, how much more the world is. And that's, that's the beautiful moments. Those are the moments that go, oh my God, and they change your entire mm. worldview. And then, mm. of course, your whole life as a result. So. I remember when I was a young little fledgling witch and I was speaking with like an elder in the community and I was like, how, how will I know that I'm ready? How will I know? And they just looked at me and they're like, you will never be ready. Just do it. Do it now. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that applies to so many things in life too. Just in general, you're never going to be ready. So just, just fucking do it. It's better to try and, you know, fail than to just sit there and wonder why you didn't do those things way back when, when your knees were still good, you know? (laughs) I get so many messages from people that are like, you know, oh, I've been studying the craft for like four years and I've, I've never actually cast a spell because, um, because I've, I'm just so afraid that it's going to go wrong or it's going to backfire or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and if it does great because that's what we call a learning opportunity like people are like what if this bad thing happens or if that bad thing happens it's like that bad thing will happen eventually at Mm -hmm. some point or another and you will learn and you will grow and you will you're it's you're not going to die like you're going to you know maybe your home's going to be haunted maybe you're going to find an unfriendly entity whatever it is and that will be a growing opportunity for you like we can't be afraid to make mistakes because the mistakes are where we learn so much too they really are and witchcraft is one of those things that you learn it by doing it because it's it is a practice where you're bringing the physical and the spiritual into union and operating from that place with every bit of magic you do every spell you cast every spirit you communicate with and you cannot learn that by studying you know you cannot learn it in a book that's like trying to learn how to dance just by reading a book and then thinking you're going to be able to get on stage and do Swan Lake. I mean, it's not happening. You have to actually engage your body. You have to engage your spirit body. You have to do the work. There's no other way you're going to learn it and you will fuck up. And that's good. Let yourself have that chance to fuck up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think Absolutely. that's called a uh, armchair witchcraft where you're just like hanging out, reading your books <laughs> and not doing anything. I know I've been there. Oh, no, absolutely. And the nice thing about having the books, too, because they are important, you know, is there's always low points. It's it cycles. Your practice will always cycle like that. And every spiritual person is going to find themselves up against challenges that leave them feeling hopeless and like they don't know what they're doing, like they should walk away. And those are the times when books can help us to feel like we're still connected. Like there is hope because there is hope. We will pull out of it. Everything's going to cycle. And they give us opportunities to then really sit in our thoughts and with our preconceptions and the ideas that we're already holding that we think we've learned and to question them and look at them from new angles and 
that's where the books really become useful. They help us to move us out of that and into a new place. So we learn from that whole experience from that whole fallow period even more so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a good point to kind of segue into my next question for you, which is about books. Mm -hmm. So your first book, Virus of Nail, Prick of Thorn, it's such a practical working in magic. And it's also very specific. Like it's on wards and protection magic. Yes. What, yeah, what prompted you to write this book? Like, what was the inspiration behind it? It was... I was trying to write a blog post. Yeah, it was supposed to be a two and a half thousand word listicle. And it just kind of kept going. And I'd recently had started my Patreon. Because um, this was... God, three plus years ago now. And I was at like four and a half thousand words. And I asked my patrons, I'm like, it's it's still going. That blog post is still going. Do you want me to just keep writing or try to wrap this up like the professional writer I pretend to be? And they're like, keep going. And in the end, it was 14,200 words. <laughs> just a blog post. Perfect. That actually makes a lot of sense because the book itself is rather short, but it is so, um, it's so to the point that I feel like even in its short nature, it's still so big um, content wise. There's still so much that is covered. It didn't need to be more. Right. It's very dense. It's really dense. And what I love about it, I mean, I'm, my memory is kind of lapsing here on all that you wrote because I read this a few months ago you really like encourage the reader to like use their intuition and to act rather than like following like by the letter like following a recipe it's like you give them the tools to like do their own thing and I really really love that because like after I read your book I was like okay I'm gonna explore making a bunch of like stone wards around my house and I was just like it clicked I was like I know how to do this (laughs) yeah Exactly. There's not a single recipe in this book. There's not a single spell. There's just, here are some things and you could use them like this, or you could use them like this or do whatever you want to, but just do something. (laughs) Do anything at all. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And wording is such a simple, it's such a accessible and approachable practice too. I mean, I mean, it's already base level magic that everybody should be doing, but it's so easy. Just, Grab a piece of paper, tear it into a square, draw a picture of a little house on it, put a big X on it. Now fold it up, give it a kiss, tuck it over your door. You're done. You just ordered your house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe not a day. I mean, you should maybe do the back door too in your bedroom. You know, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I love that your writing style really lends itself to people then wanting to get up and do the thing and try it out because it is the way you talk about it is so like, okay, here's the thing. Here's how you do it. Now go and do it. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. It's a really refreshing read. That makes all the difference. I actually did write a follow-up to it. Um, And I released it as a course. Yeah. I released it as a course last year and it's, it's going to be available as a self-paced course probably next month. I just going through again and editing it for like the 10th time. But that one focuses all on personal wards. So it's complimentary. Oh, cool. Yeah. Where, where can I folks like find that. that? And we'll put it in yeah. the show notes. Yeah, that'll be on my website. So it's ladyalthea.com slash courses. And it will be on that page. 
it's there now, but the buy buttons aren't there because I still have to finish that editing, of course. Great. <laughs> the editing, <laughs> it never ends. It doesn't. There's always something to edit. Always. I always remember all the things I needed to add or take away after I've submitted it to whoever I'm supposed to be sending it to. I'm always like, okay, it's done. And then I send it and I'm like, oh, wait, no, come back. (laughs) I suddenly, (laughs) I suddenly realized all the things that are absolutely wrong with it. Um, A little too late. (laughs) I've gotten really good. Um, I got a pretty strong process at this point where with writing, I'm just always making lists for everything. So I'm going through editing, making a list too, to make sure I double check this, triple check that, you know, make sure that mm-hmm. I spelled this this way and not that way. Because, <laughs> you know, in witchcraft, we like to spell things uniquely and capitalize them just because we can. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, so true. oh God. All right. So switching gears here a little bit, and this is something we touched on a little bit earlier, but so in your new book, you list five key traits that you feel delineate witchcraft from other systems of magic. Can you tell our listeners kind of what these five traits are and and maybe why you chose them or why you feel like these ones are the important ones? (laughs) Um, Well, the five (laughs) traits are, (laughs) I know I'm like, wow, that's, that's great. Could you ask me my favorite color? (laughs) 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 Um, All right. So five traits that distinguish witchcraft from other magical systems, because there are so many magical systems. Witchcraft is not the only one. It's not the only way to do magic. And there are reasons that we feel called to witchcraft and not, you know, ceremonial magic or hoodoo or anything else. You know, there's a reason why the witch, the word witch resonates with us on that bone deep level and pulls us forward. And we can kind of define that a little bit. We, we can do that. It's okay. It's okay to lightly draw a line around something to distinguish it. And so, because <laughs> we have to, if, if it is something different than these other magical systems, then those differences are things that we can point to. So for witchcraft, um, based on my observations of my own practice and so many other witches over the 25 years or whatever the hell I've been practicing now, um, I identified animism, divination, and the land ritual and spirit work. Mm-hmm. And those things not individually are not witchcraft. And I feel that's kind of obvious, especially if we take divination as an example, because not everybody who's got a tarot deck is a witch. <laughs> you know, Thank you. They're absolutely <laughs> not. Tarot is not witchcraft and total tangent, but you can be a witch and never touch tarot. You mm-hmm. can be a diviner. And not read tarot. Like no shade against tarot. I've been reading it for like twenty years, but there are other divination methods out there. Like Wikipedia lists like one hundred and twenty six before you get to the letter E on divination methods. So like there are there are options out there. Yeah, I think that that's so important to talk mm-hmm. about. Though is that the that not <laughs> one of these things alone makes no. up witchcraft. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, if they did, that would mean that every environmentalist was a witch, you know, and they're <laughs> not, they're not. <laughs> it's oh. not quite that simple. Yeah. No, I, I mean, it'd be nice if it was, but if we want simple, then it's you're a witch. If you practice witchcraft, that's really as simple as we can get it down to. Right. And it's surprised. It's really surprises me about how much that is a, Uh, you know, in air quotes, a hot take that in order to be a witch, you have to do witchcraft. And people are like, no, you don't. And I'm like, 
Wait, I what? Know. Like, right? I mean, I've been saying like, it for years online, and I, I don't get it anymore. I don't know if people just got me muted or if they're just, you know, moved on. But I used to get attacked for that, like, on Twitter. They're like, what? It's not that simple. You can't just say that. It's like, okay. But I did. <laughs> right. I'm going to keep saying it because it's true. And I mean, witchcraft is craft of the witch. So there you go. Yeah. It's like yeah. being a mechanic without ever actually doing mechanical work. Like it's like you, yeah. you can't do that really. Or to just to be like, yeah. I'm a doctor. I've never actually I yeah. eat food. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So in that sort of same vein, would you say that any of these five traits alone are more important than the others? Or maybe if there's like a hierarchy of importance among those five? I want to say no. Um, okay. Witchcraft kind of resists that really convenient ordering. It doesn't like linear things. Everything's just, you know, a huge spectrum. It's nonlinear. It's cyclical. And you just, you have to have all the pieces. Everybody matters. You know, all the things matter. It's, you can't keep emphasizing one or over the others. However, <laughs> to counter that, though, in our community right now, we have such a stronger emphasis that is placed on things like ritual, which, of course, includes things like spellcraft and general acts of magic. But when you emphasize something so heavily like that, the other things get missed. You know, the fact that witchcraft comes from the land is missed. The fact that we're, this practice is rooted in animism is missed the fact that all of our magic is founded in relationship with the spirits that are around us gets missed. You know, mm -hmm. even if you're just doing a spell and you're just burning some herbs, it's working because you're in partnership with the spirit in those herbs. And that emphasis really then it detracts from all those things. So mm -hmm. yeah, not, not that one is any more important, but they're all necessary. They're all are what make witchcraft be what it is. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that that points to something that's also an interesting take as well, is that, you know, if we're still going by this idea that not one of them makes up witchcraft um, alone, then the idea, too, that just simply casting spells does not also equate to witchcraft without the other ones, too. You can't say uh, that, though. I mean, you can. People are going to be in your mentions saying angry things. I, I got the we're, receipts, you know. <laughs> oh, we're going to be canceled can't say for that it. Witches don't. Oh my god! Please let them try. I've I've been bored. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> oh, oh! It's the practice is so much more. It's so much more than spells. It's so much more than just pretty candles, crystals, and smudge sticks. You know. God, of mm -hmm. course, more than smudge sticks. Yeah, right. For the, sure. People get really wrapped up in the aesthetics and like miss the point because that's something that I share a lot about too on the podcast and in my writing and whatnot is that folks forget the animism. They forget that it's of the land and of the body mm. and all of that and really appreciate your work and like bringing this remembrance back. Like where, like what are witches <laughs> doing right now? What's the community doing right now? And why are we forgetting this? I mean, I can probably think of some 
some reasons why, you know, over culture, dominant culture, pushing us in certain directions. But yeah. yeah. I feel like the 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 strong interest in the aesthetic of it too is because um it ties into that whole like just starting out not knowing what to do but the aesthetic speaks to the inherent poetry of witchcraft it gets us in that emotional place and we can feel that connection we can feel that bit of truth and that bit of something more and we don't know how to latch on more outside of that so we get stuck in that loop of just focusing on the pretty things the dark things those mysterious things but it becomes a trap because mm-hmm. you, know, you, you got to do it. You got to find that for yourself. And and you're not going to find it right away. You got to keep doing it, but you're going to find it. You will if you just keep going, keep doing the work. Absolutely. I love that you point out the value of the aesthetics because aesthetics are very valuable. But then also, yeah, getting into that like feedback loop and the trap is also a part of that. Yeah. I really love that you that you touched on that. Yeah, I mean, it it definitely has... A power over us you know there's a glamour element too but i think at the core it is just another way that we're seeking in searching for that connection absolutely in your latest book and i don't i don't know if this is something that you set out to do intentionally but in your latest book you do a really good job of correcting a lot of common misconceptions <laughs> that people have nowadays um things that kind of and it's amazing to watch a bit of misinformation get shared on the internet and they get repeated and repeated and repeated. And then suddenly oh it's canon and you're like, wait, yes. that is not how this works. I have had people oh my God. like, so we're going to talk about let's, I was going to do this in a different order, but let's start by talking about the moon <laughs> because I have had oh. people step to me before <laughs> And be like, what do you mean that the full moon is not for releasing that which no longer serves you? Because I can't find that where anywhere. Where did that come from? Right? Seriously, and people, where did that come people, from? Right? Every moon phase is now for I, releasing you- that which no longer serves you. And to do it on the full moon just seems like that does not make any sense at all. No! No! And then, it really doesn't. Well, at first... At first, it was like every everything is for releasing that which no longer serves you, including the full moon and the new moon. And then suddenly, it's also been flipped. So now what I'm seeing is the full moon is for releasing and the dark moon is for manifesting. And I'm like, that's so completely backwards. And yet I have people come to me and be like, well, what are your sources on that? Like, like what, what are your sources that say that the full moon is for manifesting? Just look at the moon. Literally any book published, you know, like. <laughs> right, look at the moon. Folklore, the key of Solomon. Like, we, we, we got sources. We got them. They're going back for, you know, years. <laughs> right, and they're sending me Tumblr links. Like, well, this says that you're wrong. And I'm like, oh, no. Um, so, do you, uh, Oh, your section on the moon I felt was really brilliant because you, you clear a lot of this up as far as like how to work with each, each of the individual phases and things like that, which I think is really necessary right now to remind people of how this is actually supposed to happen outside of kind of social media witchcraft. Uh, But another one that you have is you tackle this, um, the kind of dominant theory that like attracts like, and you challenge that. Can you can you talk about that a little bit? Because I really like your take on this. Oh. You know, it's it's kind of like the whole thing about how somehow things got flipped. And now mm-hmm. the full moon is for releasing. Because um, I remember being 
super young and just finding the sources, you know, reading things, you know, like the Key of Solomon, reading books on folklore, reading whatever, which, well, Wicca books because of the time period, um, and talking with um, just older people and actual like elders in different communities in like the four witchcraft sites that existed at the time. And then the common understanding was that energy worked like electricity. We can positively charge it. We can negatively charge it. And those things don't have anything to do with positive being good and negative being bad. They're just opposite charges. And so like electricity, like and like don't attract. They repel each other. It's Mm -hmm. like and the opposite, you know, they opposites attract. And I don't know. The secret came out, and now everybody thinks everything's law of attraction. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. It's one of those things that I look at, and I'm like, when did this happen? When did the understanding get so flipped like that? And yet, we yeah. have all of these sources. We have all this evidence, and if you just put it into practice too, you'll see. Well, in this this idea of like attract likes or like attracts like really goes against something that I find to be a a fundamental tenet of witchcraft and that it is powered by your need for something to, Mm. you know, you know, it, it, you don't, if you have just millions of dollars and you do a money spell, like, you know, not a whole lot is going on, but if you're like, I need this money in order to survive, like that, power that Mm -hmm. need is going to be so much greater and that doesn't mean i have a lot of money therefore i'm attracting a lot of money it means i have a deficit of money therefore i'm going to pull it in and try and fill that gap um is is really important to look at and that that's not a like attracts like thing that's an opposites thing um that i think is really important for people to look at that's a really good example too um looking at prosperity magic because if you look at a money jar you are blessing and kissing those dollar bills and putting them in there not to create this cash that's going to draw more money to you but for the purpose of charging it and then spending it and getting rid of it you are charging the money and giving it away so that way you create a flow of energy mm-hmm. and move more money towards you mm-hmm. it, that doesn't work by likes attracting or like attracting like it works through that opposite again had money mm-hmm. now i don't have money i need more money so you get more money mm-hmm. I think that's a step a lot of people forget when it comes to like things like money jars is then to take that money and then do something with it, get rid of it, you know, Mm -hmm. spend it on something, especially something maybe that's going to help, you know, your business or something like that, bring in more stuff. Um, It's important. Yeah. Or when you make the mistake of putting pennies in there because they're in your pocket, you you bless them all. And then you're like in store and you just toss them over your shoulder. (laughs) Someone's going to (laughs) pick them up. (laughs) There's always a kid. Someone's going to pick them up. (laughs) Yeah. So it's going to pick them up. Use them. Yeah, absolutely. I did see a prosperity once that was, or a prosperity spell once that was like, you know, blessing a bunch of coins and then taking them to like a mall and like leaving them around all over the place. And then people would pick (laughs) them up and spend them or put them in little machines and buy stuff with them. I have done that too, yeah. Put this one on the windowsill, this one on the bench, this one's on top of the garbage. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Just perfect. So with your book, were there any other kind of misconceptions that you really wanted to tackle besides kind of like these two ones that we 
have brought up here. Was there anything um, else that you were like, I'm seeing this problem and I'm going to write a section about it? I, I, not necessarily. I wouldn't say. Um, when I write, I really focus on the topic and I outline from there. And then if I'm noticing something and it applies to the topic, I put it in there. You know, and that's mm-hmm. really what happened with those. Um, I mean, I guess the chapter seven is kind of a clear up some misconceptions chapter two because it talks all about troubleshooting spells you know so it's basically a whole Mm -hmm. chapter on you're doing it wrong i did actually cover in this book um why you shouldn't share photos of your spells in progress on the internet absolutely i have people occasionally like if i post a picture of a spell people will be like like don't don't you know post pictures of your spells in progress and i'm like you have no idea this was a spell from two years ago that like mm-hmm. i'm like that and what i said it was about in the caption is not actually what the spell was for at all like you got to be crafty with it a little bit like yeah and then of course there is staging things for social mm-hmm. media and yep. there's also the very reality that sometimes you will want to share a picture for the purpose of powering the spell but that's kind of a different level. And I don't think that's what a lot of people are doing when they're just taking photos, when they should be focusing on pouring more energy into there and sending that out. Mm -hmm. So we are going to be wrapping up here with a few last questions. You did mention earlier about your favorite color. And so I do want to, want (laughs) to ask you that real quick, because I am curious. I, I do like to know people's favorite colors. I guess it's green. (laughs) Green's a good color. Kind of boring. Yeah. yeah. I'm wearing my favorite green flannel that I stole from my husband. Yeah. <laughs> I love green too. It's one of my favorite colors. Like most of what I own is like in some shade of green wearing it right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't even help it. You're like looking for clothes and you're like, oh, I like the green one. Oh, I like that green one too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I had a botany professor that was on an, the turtle hunt for the perfect colored pencil that was the exact shade of chlorophyll because she's like i she's like there's so many greens and a lot of them are really close but none of them are like that that specific chlorophyll color so she was always on the hunt for that and i thought that was perfect oh that makes sense that makes sense yeah she did a lot of you know journaling and kind of drawing the different plants and in her field guides and stuff like that and so that was really important to her Yeah, that makes sense, though. And that's a pretty green. Sure is. So I have one last question for you before we part ways. Do you have any um, advice for, say, if there's a new witch listening to this episode, what would be like a piece of advice or maybe a hot take that you would share with them? Maybe not a hot take. I don't want to scare them. (laughs) (laughs) Not too Um, spicy. (laughs) Yeah, not too spicy. Um, maybe just to encourage them, just really go outside, just spend more time outside, just thinking and listening and feeling, just focus on building awareness and knowing how to be aware on that multi-level way, being aware with your physical senses, being aware with your spiritual senses, because the land will teach you. It absolutely will. Witchcraft is for the people. It is accessible. We can all go outside and the land will talk to us. I I Mm -hmm. promise you, as the 
dirty, holy jeans, nine-year-old that I was and kind of still am, the land will talk to you. It will. Amen. I tell people a lot. I'm like, the first step of witchcraft is logging off the internet. And (laughs) yes, I mean, I mean, it sounds like a really almost kind of dismissive though at the same time, but like, I mean, going back to my own experience, I learned warding from a spirit that lived in the forest behind my house. I learned Mm. how to cleanse from spirits in that same woods. I learned how to cross over the dead. Like, who the fuck even does that shit? I learned that from a spirit in the woods, you know? Like, the land will teach you. If you put yourself in that position where you're outside and you're not being a total asshat, tromping around like nature's a gift to you and recognizing that, you know, you're a guest, you're a visitor there, and you're being open and treating the land with that respect and not not fake respect, not like reverence, you know, but actually seeing it as this place filled with all of these other people who are people just like you, even though they may lack physical form, they will they will talk to you. They absolutely will talk to you. Some some are going to follow you home. You're going to learn a lot from that, but they will talk to you. <laughs> Beautiful. Absolutely. Mm. That's wonderful. All right, Althea. So where can everybody find you? I know that you offer a lot of things as far as... Oh, my um, goodness. All the things. So so let us let people know where, where can they reach you? Where can they participate in your offerings? And give you um, the best all the money. Is my website, <laughs> please. Um, yeah, the best place is my website. Um, you can find a full list of my courses there, on what's available, what will be available. There's links to my Patreon there. Um, in my Patreon, we ha- um, at this point we have chats every single week. We have two Q and A's a month. We have the end of the month, which chat social, which is just hilarious and you think we'd all be drinking but we're not (laughs) and i actually teach an exclusive course through there every single month too um this month we actually did divination in spellcraft and that was a lot of fun um we're going to be brainstorming the topic for august course really soon here and on social media i'm the same everywhere it's just at lady althea thank you so much for coming on to our podcast today talking to us it's nice to have you here after talking about you so much yes thank you yes thank you so much for having me yeah it's been such a pleasure to chat with you and finally get to meet you in person or at least through the internet you know what i mean yeah (laughs) that's how it goes yeah Alrighty, everyone thanks for tuning in this week and remember do witchcraft do it Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.